You're listening to Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno, supported by HomeWatch Caregivers, whose mission is to preserve dignity, protect independence, and provide peace of mind for their clients and loved ones by providing exceptional home care. 97.9 FM WCHL is pleased to present Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno. Nicole has over 15 years of experience as a geriatric social worker and administrator working in the long-term care industry to include skilled nursing care, Alzheimer's care, adult day care, and home care. She also worked as a family caregiver. In addition, Nicole co-founded a nonprofit in the Triangle that specializes in support for caregivers. Now, Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno. Hello, welcome to this episode of Caring Connections. This is Nicole Bruno, your host, and joining me today is Jackie Bedard. She is an estate planning and elder care attorney with Carolina Family Estate Planning, located in Cary, North Carolina. And she's going to be discussing for us today, probate. That seems like a complicated word, Jackie. <laughs> and we're doing a whole show on it, so it must be pretty complicated. <laughs> we'll, we'll try to uh, simplify it as much as we can today. Okay, so she brought with her some of the top 10 things that folks probably don't know about probate, but probably should. And I'm just going to highlight a few of you of those for you right now, and then we'll get into more of the meat and potatoes uh, in a little bit here. So the first is... What is probate? And she tells us that many people have heard the term probate but don't really know what it means. But what it is is a legal process through a court system for handling a state of a deceased individual. And the state laws set forth certain requirements for various filings and steps that have to be taken to properly handle the estate. Probate is also sometimes referred to as estate administration. That sounds like that came right out of Wikipedia. <laughs> well, that is quite a long definition, Jackie. Yeah, we'll, we'll probably talk about it more. <laughs> but I'm just always amazed at uh, sometimes people say, oh, I've heard things about probate. And then I realize they, they really don't know what probate means. They've just kind of heard that term before. Yeah, and that's a, that's a complicated definition. <laughs> I can't wait to really divide that up. Uh, next is probate is a marathon, not a sprint. And we often hear that about caregiving. So I guess when caregiving ends, you continue on with your marathon mm-hmm. into probate, it sounds like. It usually takes several months over a year to complete the process. And it really helps to know this in advance and set up expectations accordingly. Very good. And lastly, there are lots of costs associated with the probate process between court fees, bonds, executor commissions, appraisals, newspaper publications, legal fees, and accounting. Oh, my goodness. My gosh, um, Jackie, is there anything we can do to avoid probate? (laughs) We'll talk about that as well, for sure. Absolutely. All right. Okay, so... When people come to you and ask you probate questions... What is usually the first question that they have? Often people just don't even know where to go to get started. Mm -hmm. So they're in a panic. Somebody's passed away, and they call our office assuming, you know, hey, I've been named as executor. I don't know what I need to do. I need to come in right away to see you. Mm -hmm. And usually one of the first things we explain to them is, first priority is really about taking care of the family. You need Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, if there's any um, surviving spouse or children that need to be taken care of, get those affairs in order, handle the final arrangements, and then we can worry about getting the probate process started. So we really tell people to start with just looking for the deceased individual's records Mm -hmm. and uh, try to figure out maybe they've already done some sort of prepaid funeral arrangements or a funeral trust or at least have left the family some guidance about what their wishes are. And you want to have that information before you go out and you start making the arrangements. Mm -hmm. And then I know another big question we always run into is just how to get started. 
you know, if you go and you start working with that funeral funeral director, what should you expect? Um, how are the expenses going to be handled? That's always a question that comes up. So we always let people know. Um, typically, what will happen is either the family members will advance the expenses, mm-hmm. and eventually they'll get reimbursed by the estate. Okay. Or um, sometimes maybe there's a life insurance policy that we can assign to the funeral director if the client had a uh, you know a small burial policy or something like that. And the funeral directors are very helpful with this. They'll talk to the family about these options. So probate really is. A- reality of life. I mean, you're going to face that when you die, chances are. Um, for most families. For most families. Unless they've done some planning to try and avoid the Pretty process. Pretty extensive planning. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, obviously, preparing in advance is key. You sure. know, I mean, as much as you can do, you know, wherever that loved one keeps their documents, to know where they are in advance, to have those conversations in advance, that's so important. But what happens if the family really can't find the will? Where are the most common places to look? I mean, is there some sort of a national registry to know if somebody has a will? Not really, um, but we do have some pointers for people. Uh, I always start at home. Mm -hmm. Where are the places that they were most likely to store things at home? Maybe they had a home safe. Maybe they have um, a file file cabinet somewhere or Mm -hmm. a desk where they tended to keep Um, important papers and records. That's always the first place I would start. If you know that they have an attorney that they worked with, you might want to contact their attorney to see if the law firm is holding the documents. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then also, if you still haven't found it at that point, um, look to see whether they have a safe deposit box and they might have stored the documents in the safe deposit box. So you might need to work with the bank to get to the safe deposit box. Is it true that once a person dies, though, the safe deposit boxes get locked and people can't get into them? Yes and no. Okay. It's not as terrible as most people oh, yeah. think. I've heard lots um, of scary things about those yeah. boxes. And, it's, and I don't a lot have of people one have. Um, it's just it's not as automatic as just saying, "Hey, this person died, and we need to get to the box." That um, those are considered the uh, assets and property of the deceased individual, and there are laws about making sure that whatever was in that box gets properly inventoried. So when you mm-hmm. and it, it can vary depending on the county that you're in on how uh-huh. that county likes to handle things, but Typically, at the least, somebody from the bank is going to oversee inventorying that uh, box with you. Sometimes you might need a third party or an attorney Mm -hmm. or somebody else present with you. So let me just take a personal situation, for example, here, because here I am, you know, I know a lot about caregiving, and I, I gosh, I preach to the choir about preparing in advance, and I, and I have all my stuff done, but my own parents, <laughs> I mm-hmm. say to them on a reg- fairly regular basis, at least a few times a year, where are your documents? Right. Who have you named as your health care power of attorney? Who right. is the executive of your will? And the constant comment I always get is, what are you trying to kill me already? It's in the box. <laughs> well, where's the right. box? It's in the box. Well, and they won't even tell me where the box is. So right. how, do, how do you suggest to family members who struggle with that type of situation to convince a loved one to sort of have that conversation and share? It can be a very difficult conversation. (laughs) I don't know that there's a right answer for every scenario because everybody's personality types are a little bit different. I know with um, some of my clients, I will talk to them about the fact that this is already a lot of responsibility that you're putting on the shoulders of the people that you named, and you want to try and make that as easy for them as possible, and that starts with being organized. Make sure they know where these things are. Mm -hmm. Make sure that they know who to contact. I know one of the biggest headaches that some of my um, executors run into is they they just don't even know what 
mom and dad owned. Yeah. And that in itself becomes this big hurdle. Or just or anything. I mean, especially in today's world of online statements, this can really be a headache sometimes when we're just yeah. trying to go, what did they own? What what debts did they have? What credit cards? What not? Passwords. And try to piece that together uh, can be a challenge. So it's really about trying to make things easier for mm-hmm. your helpers that you might be nominating. Um, the other suggestion I sometimes use with uh, clients or maybe the uh, children that are having these conversations. Um, sometimes a celebrity examples uh-huh. can help. Uh, I know the case um, of the missing body with Casey Casey. You know, yeah, anytime you see these celebrity stories, and and we will try to, you know, I blog a little bit. We'll try to write about these sometimes because that's good fodder for opening the conversation mm-hmm. when you can say, "Hey, mom, did you see this news story mm-hmm. about Casey Casey yeah, yeah, yeah. or you know whatnot?" And kind of you use that as the lead in to say, "Hey, you know we." don't want to face those sort of issues that this other family ran into, and they can relate to that a little bit more. Great. Well, we are going to take a quick break. Joining me today again is Jackie Bedard, and she is an estate planning and elder care attorney with Carolina Family Estate Planning. We'll be right back. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno on 97.9 FM WCHL, supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. Now, more of Caring Connections. Welcome back. This is Nicole Bruno, your host of Caring Connections. And joining me is Jackie Bedard, an estate planning and elder care attorney with Carolina Family Estate Planning, located in Cary, North Carolina. Welcome back, Jackie. Thank you. I think we are um, really getting to the heart of the matter, matter here, and I'm so glad because it's certainly opened my eyes in some areas that I wasn't aware of either. So I'm sure those listening are feeling the same way. So earlier when we were talking about the top 10 things that people don't know, and they probably should, you mentioned that probate is more like a marathon than a sprint. What do you mean by that? Sure. So most people just don't realize there is a real process that takes place here. And so uh, when they first get started, they might think, okay, quick, we're going to take care of things, boom, 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 Mm -hmm. and be done. But the reality is it usually takes several months, often a year or longer even, to really go through this whole process. So um, just to give an idea, um, first thing to know is uh, powers of attorney expire upon the person's death. Financials too. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're not authorized to really continue to use those powers of attorney, and people don't always realize Uh that. I think that is a common misnomer. Mm -hmm. So that's where the role of executor comes into play. But the executor really can't even start doing anything until they get formally recognized by the court. So usually the first step is you take that will down to the courthouse. There's some forms that need to be completed so that the court can recognize the uh, executor and give them the legal documents that they need to show other third parties like the banks that mm-hmm. they are now authorized to be handling this estate on behalf of this deceased uh. individual. So after we get that process started, then there's a lot of steps that that executor is required to go through. Um, usually the first thing, and we, we started to talk about this earlier, was uh, the executor just has to figure out what the person owned. That in itself can be a challenge. Mm-hmm. It's just tracking down what did this individual own? What accounts do they have? What real estate do they have? Do they have any life insurance policies or retirement mm-hmm. accounts that we need to be aware of? And then also figuring out what obligations they might have left behind. Are there 
mortgages out there, home equity loans, credit card bills, um, unpaid hospital bills, whatever might be on that front. And so, so when um, you die, your debts don't die with you. No, unfortunately, no, they don't. <laughs> so um, within about 90 days of getting uh, qualified, the executor has to file an in, in, uh, inventory to the court's office saying, here's everything that we think this individual owned and that is part of their estate. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they should be notifying any known creditors, um, whether it's those you know hospital bills, credit card bills, mm-hmm. utilities, whatnot, notifying them that the person has passed away and that they're going to be handling the estate as executor. Uh, and then there might be some unknown creditors we're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever seen those legal notices in the back of the newspaper, mm-hmm. that's what that's all about. The executor is required to publish legal notices in the newspaper in case there are unknown creditors and give them a period of at least three months to come forward to say, hey, this person that passed away, they owe me money and I'm making a claim on the mm-hmm. estate. And so can individuals make a claim as well? Say they if, could. Okay. Yeah. So if there was any sort of, um, it's, it's not as common, but if mm-hmm. there was some sort of wrongful death, say the person mm-hmm. died in a car accident sure. and other people were involved and mm-hmm. they, they claimed that the uh, decedent was the one at fault. There might be like a lawsuit or something like oh, okay. that coming forward, uh, potentially. And so um, after you go through those initial steps, then the executor is really tasked with taking care of things in the appropriate order. So by law, there are actually an order of priority about how different expenses and obligations are handled, mm-hmm. how the different um, liabilities are handled, any of those debts that mm-hmm. we find. Those all take precedent before the beneficiaries, with the exception of some, there are some uh, spousal allowances in there to make okay. sure that the spouse isn't without money. Yeah. But yeah. But uh, otherwise, Everything the debts up, get first like... priority, oh, okay. and then what's remaining goes back to the beneficiaries as we get closer to winding up the process. Wow! So it does. So people don't all of a sudden just get that life insurance policy, like right? That. Yeah. Right, and and also people don't always realize the debts come first. So they might have looked at the bank statement and they're kind of in their head doing the math and going, yeah. "Okay, this is roughly what I think I'm going to be inheriting." Yeah. And then they're shocked to find out, "Oh gosh, we we learned that there's a bunch of credit card bills we didn't know about." Or or um, a bunch of hospital bills from final illness, mm-hmm. something like that. And suddenly those accounts are smaller than they expected. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. So I kind of hit on this a little earlier because, Josh, this seems like such an arduous process. What can we do to avoid probate or, or is there anything we can do? There are, and it it depends a little bit from uh, one family to the next on what that might look like. Um, First, know that for small estates, and that's usually an estate that's below $20,000, or if everything's going to the surviving spouse, then below $30,000, then they have something called summary administration. It's a much more streamlined process compared to going through a full probate. Okay. Um, It's also important to know that some things um, don't always go through probate, things like retirement accounts and life insurance policies and annuities. Those have beneficiary designations. And as long as they're going to an adult, they typically don't go through that probate process um, most of the time. And um, that's important for people to realize because sometimes people get married two, three times and an original life insurance right. policy might have the first wife's name right. on it and that current wife may not get it. Correct? Really important to check those beneficiary designations periodically after any major life changes. Mm-hmm. And also um, the companies are just known for merging, changing hands over time. And we've seen some instances that Spares. paperwork didn't get processed properly. Mm-hmm. So even if you think you've updated it uh, in the past and then it says what it's supposed to say, it's 
it's worth periodically checking with those companies and making sure that they do actually have it correct on their records. Somebody um, once told me a good time to do it is we're going to file your taxes every year, do mm-hmm. around tax time. Is that's, that? That's exactly what I tell folks. They're usually awesome. thinking about the finances that time of year. And so it's a good rule of thumb okay. to also do that at the same time. Great. So what about joint accounts? You know, hi. Don't they avoid probate? How does that work? They may or may they may not. So okay. a lot of people have heard, hey, if I set up my accounts joint with rights or survivorship, or if I put a, a maybe a payable on death designation or a transfer on death designation on the account, that that keeps it out of probate. But the important thing that people need to understand is that's actually not foolproof. There are laws about um, if there are debts in the ex- estate and we need funds to pay those obligations, that a portion of those or sometimes all all of those accounts can get pulled back into the probate to satisfy the obligations. So you can't really use those designations as a means of trying to avoid the the debts that might be out there. And so if people go through and they go, okay, great, I'm going to put all these designations and that's going to keep things out of probate, it's probably not going to work because most people do have some sort of debts when they pass away, Mm -hmm. whether it's, like I said, you know, hospital bill from final illness, unpaid utility bills, Mm -hmm. whatever that might be. And I guess my last question for you before we take a break is, so a way to fully avoid probate, is that what we commonly hear is a trust? That's usually going to be the most effective way to make sure you truly are going to be able to avoid that process. So if you haven't worked with a trust before, think of that as a document where you're setting forth instructions about how you want your assets and affairs managed. Mm -hmm. But it is a two-step process that people need to be aware of. People often miss the second step, which (laughs) is you set up the trust, but then you have to get your accounts titled to that trust so that it'll actually work the way that you're expecting it to. But the idea is a trust is a private contract, and you say what happens with those accounts upon death, and you basically say, my family can handle this privately rather than go through probate. They still have to pay any of those debts or obligations. <laughs> so don't get out of debt. Right. It's not a get so, out of debt free no, card. No, it's not. <laughs> but you're saying so long as they take care of things, I am i don't need that court oversight. And that's going to make that a lot easier for okay. the family. Well, good to know. We are going to take a quick break. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno on 97.9 FM WCHL, supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. Now, more of Caring Connections. Welcome back. This is Nicole Bruno, your host of Caring Connections, and joining me is Jackie Bedard, an estate planning and elder care attorney. And Jackie, in the few minutes we have left here today, I thought that we would go over some of your resources that you brought with you. I think you brought some really good resources that will help our listeners and then also want you to have an opportunity to tell people how they can get a hold of you if they have some additional questions. So go ahead, just shoot away with your resources. Sure. So we get a lot of phone calls when people have passed away, and they just don't know where to start mm-hmm. or where they're even supposed to go. So the first resource I would say is to know that the this probate process takes place at the courthouse. And so usually the easiest way to figure that out, it's going to be the county in which the deceased person was a resident. So okay. my usually my suggestion is you just Google Wake County, North Carolina, Clerk of Court Estates Division. Okay. And I find that usually will get you to the right place in terms of just getting an address 
address and phone number and where to get started. Okay, great. What else? Well, in um, some of the counties, especially the larger counties like mm-hmm. Wake County, they do have some information on their website and they have links directly to some of the court forms that you might need. But if they don't, those forms are available through the state's court website. And you can find that online by going to www.nccourts.org. Okay. And it's a little tricky to find, so you might want to write this down. But on the right-hand column, there's a forms search button that you can click on. And that's going to take you you to a page that has all the court forms that might be used, whether it's criminal court, estate division, whatnot. So once you get to that page, there's a category drop-down menu where you can select estates, and that will take you to the forms that are most commonly used in estates proceedings. And all kidding aside, we're dealing with attorneys who made these forms, so there's got to be a lot of forms. There are. I'm just kidding. Unfortunately, in the estates realm, not as many, but there still are quite a few. What else? On that same website, if you search, there is a pamphlet that they have available. It's called Estate Procedures for Executors, Administrators, Collectors by Affidavit and Summary Administration. I know that's a little bit of a mouthful, (laughs) but you can find it by searching that court forms website. Uh, Search for AOC-E-850. Okay, wonderful. Any others? Well, um, know that the clerks at the courthouse are often quite helpful, especially in simpler estates. They often can at least tell you the forms that you're going to need or help you get that process started. At the same time, people do need to understand that the clerks are not authorized to give legal advice. So Mm -hmm. if you have questions and they tell you that they can't answer them, Mm -hmm. you do need to respect that, that at a certain point, sometimes they have to draw a line and say, "I'm, I'm not uh, qualified to answer this question. Uh, and that's where I would say at that point, you, you may need a consultation with an attorney to help you get those questions answered, make sure that you're handling things properly. Um, and often executors don't realize they actually are taking on a, um, a quite a bit of liability mm-hmm. when they act as executor to properly handle the estate. And by working with an attorney, that does help really limit their liability because they've now brought on a professional to make sure that the process is handled appropriately. Correct. Okay, and if people want to find out more information about you and how how can they go ahead and get a hold of you, Jackie? Sure, so they can always call us. Uh, We can be reached at 919-443-3035. Or if they want to find us online, they can visit www.carolinafamilyestateplanning.com. We have a lot of information on that website about estate planning, long-term care planning, and probate type of concerns. So that's often a great place for them to start. Great. And we also do a lot of um, public workshops at our office. Uh, They may want to give us a call about upcoming events. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jackie. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. We'd love to have you back again someday. You were a wealth of information and a joy to talk to you. So thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Nicole. I enjoyed it. And as always, you may email your caring questions to caring at 1360wchl.com. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. The purpose of Caring Connections is to educate listeners to help improve the quality of life for families, for professional caregivers, as well as those people affected with Alzheimer's disease. Caring Connections with Nicole Bruno is supported by HomeWatch Caregivers. You can hear this and any other program of Caring Connections on WCHL's website, chapelboro.com. Be sure to email questions to caring at 1360wchl.com. Caring Connections is a presentation of 97.9 FM, WCHL, Chapel Hill Carborough's News, Talk, and Tar Heel Station.